the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Rescuers Radio Show at Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ and faithtalk1360.com. And uh, great to be with our great worldwide audience today. And as my guest, uh, special guest today is Kevin McNichols from Tucson, came all the way up to be on the show today. Absolutely. It's good to be here. <laughs> Hi, Kevin. It's good to see you, Art. Good, it's good to, s- to visit with you. <laughs> so. We've known each other a long time. And uh, before we get into uh, that, from me, I want to hear from you. Uh, how did you arrive at this place in your life? Where Where are we with that? Well, uh, basically... Uh, after I got to know you and went off to college and stuff like that, and uh, I went back to my hometown of Kingman, and I worked a little while as a youth director at a church, and then I got into law enforcement and uh, worked for the Mojave County Sheriff's Office for a few years and became a school resource officer and left there to go to work for the uh, Arizona Department of Public Safety, and I did that, and after having 25 years in there. Uh, system for uh, public safety between the sheriff's office and the highway patrol. About three years ago, I pulled the plug and decided that was enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now I have lots of time to do the things I wanted to do that I never could do, and so that's what I'm trying to do now. And uh, volunteering with uh, the Arizona State Troopers Association and with a group called Impact Teen Drivers and uh, trying to make a difference. Now, in your bio, you say a little bit about being a weekend on-air personality at one time. Yeah. Well, what that, was that and who was that for? Gee, you know, I <laughs> I was a snot-nosed 16-year-old kid that had an ego bigger than anyone else uh, that I knew and probably still do. Um but I went into this local radio station, and there's this guy who was the general manager there named Art Brooks, and uh, I told him I needed a job, and I wanted a job, and lo and behold, a couple weeks later, I was working for him on the weekend. So you just wouldn't give up. Well, that's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, that that didn't last very long. So it got me through college, and then uh, then I had to find something that would pay the bills beyond the weekend. So. Good deal. And you had a nice long run in uh, law enforcement. I did. And, uh, you know, got to experience tons of different things. I I had uh, some of the coolest gigs and assignments a person could have and got to do things that you can't even imagine if you haven't been there. And then uh, and and I did it without getting hurt or uh, I got in a few scuffles along the way. But uh, for the most part, uh, 
it was a good ride uh, and a healthy ride. So. so before we deep dive into what makes you a rescuer, and you've got plenty of things here, uh, what, what are your thoughts on law enforcement as it exists today? Uh, Ever-changing. Um, you know, I, 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 I think most of the guys I know are very similar. Yeah, there's a lot of type A personalities, but they'll give you the shirt off their back if, uh, if you need help. I, know, I, I think of guys who I know who toward the end of shift would take and go out and uh, run across someone who was broke down or something, go home, and then actually grab their personal car and run them to an airport and stuff like that. Um, but most, most of the guys that I've ever known or worked with are, are just good guys who want to go out there and want to help people. Um, and ultimately the public could help them just by simple voluntary compliance with the laws. Uh, that would eliminate, I think that would eliminate most people's headaches, uh, on both sides of this whole, the whole issues that we're seeing in law enforcement today. Um, the ultimate goal is voluntary compliance and, uh, so if if we don't have to show up, that's great. If we don't have to use force, that's even better. better yeah. And uh, at the end of the day, um, it's about guys going out there and enforcing the laws that are on the books and uh, um, hopefully utilizing common sense throughout most of that. And every now and then you get an incident that just gives law enforcement a black eye, but uh, fortunately those are few and far between. Um, but I, it's, I think fewer fewer people are getting into it. More people are getting out of it, and uh, I, I think it takes a special calling to go into it. You know, we had a, a program um, a couple of weeks ago uh, with a commander from the Phoenix PD, and um, and then a researcher from NAU. She does the she's the professor for the Department of Justice within NAU, and uh, and she was a former police officer herself in Phoenix. And we talked about um, this same issue and, and delightfully heard there, there's a groundswell of younger people that are anxious to get into law enforcement. And that's encouraging. And, uh, and the community should be encouraged because uh, there's, still, uh, there's still people younger than you and me that are talking about getting into law enforcement. And that's pretty good. Yeah, I I think it really comes back down to being involved in the community that you're in. And yeah. if you go back to the 80s when you, community policing was a big thing, what what better way than to have officers out in the community and in the, um, the schools to build those relationships? Because ultimately that's what it's about. It's about a relationship with yeah. the people that you're dealing with. And uh, those when you develop those relationships, it's easier to get input and understand both sides of an issue and come to a, a workable solution. So um, communication and, uh, and uh, building relationships is important. So, Well, let's, let's, uh, let's go into the private life of Kevin here. Because <laughs> I, I see things like you, you, were, you coached football. I never knew that about you. Yeah, so I, uh, my, my wife was a school principal. And uh, when I retired, I thought I would uh, I'd, uh, go and give back. One, one of the things I did before, um, before I got into law enforcement, when I was working multiple part-time jobs, including radio, was I, uh, <laughs> I would go and substitute teach. And uh, I really enjoy working with kids, junior high and high school age kids. And so I went, uh, when I retired, I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll go back to work 
part-time as a substitute teacher. I can work when when I need to work or want to work. Um, or if I had a couple friends who were teachers who said, hey, I'm going to take two weeks off for uh, one reason or another, and can you come substitute my nice. teach for my class? So uh, we could coordinate those with, with the school and then uh, make sure that whatever it was that that teacher really wanted to cross, it was more than just the night before lesson plan being cranked out and actually – uh, be valuable time as a substitute teacher. And um, so I did that for a little while. And then along the way, also, as my kids were growing up, helped coach softball and uh, basketball and football with uh, with them as they were growing up and thought, well, I'll get back into it a little bit. So I've done a little bit of that since I yeah. retired. Um, obviously, COVID strikes and that that changes yeah. a whole lot of things. Really? Yeah. yeah so. It changed everything. Right. Uh, nobody knows what this is going to look like afterwards, but um, uh, we're going to be a lot, see a lot of change, I think. Yep. But um, uh, you were also involved uh, through the uh, through DPS, I think, or the Highway Patrol Division yeah. uh, in Nogales. You came. Um, you were with a group called Arizona. You were on the gang task force. I was right at the border, right? I was. Yeah. So, so that's that's real stuff down there. Yeah, it's uh, and, and border town's different than uh, the rest of Arizona, and it's funny because now when I look back at it, and I think having worked in northern Arizona, uh, then I did a stint in Kearney, Winkleman, uh, Dudleyville, Oracle, and through there, and then Tucson and Nogales. It, it's interesting how uh, border issues are perceived uh, by those local communities and what the problem is. I remember being in Kingman and you pop someone with a, a dime bag of marijuana and you're like, whoo, look, I got this bust. <laughs> you go to Nogales and there's 500 by pounds. The tons. <laughs> there's 500 pounds and you're like, yeah, that's, uh, that's probably not going to get prosecuted. And you're like, what? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, Issue issues are are uh, they vary from community to community, and perception is uh, people's reality. Um, uh, the reality is, we live in a country where we can come and go freely, yeah. and we don't have to look for those substances or look for where those are happening in our communities if we want to be blind to it. So we can be completely blinded by the fact that it's happening, or uh, it. it can be as obvious as day and night that it's happening right in front of you. So it just depends on what your perspective is. And um, Well, and COVID is proving how real it really is because uh, the two big spikes as far as law enforcement and our communities are concerned are, are domestic violence and uh, drug use. Absolutely. And uh, guys I know that are working on the probation departments and stuff like that are just telling me that the, the amount of calls that they're going to related to that and doing follow-up and stuff like that is just through the roof. Suicide as well. Yeah, um, and, and we don't we don't talk about that. That's one of those things that a lot of people just never get around to discussing because yeah. it's taboo. And uh, but, but it's a reality. And when you start talking about kids who aren't allowed to mingle with their peers and they're kind of feeling trapped and they're uh, exposed to only whatever it is that they're looking at on TikTok or whatever the latest uh, app is, and then Snapchat. You have uh, you have adults who are lonely, especially in retirement communities where they can't get out, they can't go socialize because some of those places are closed where they would do their normal activities. Um, so loneliness, suicide are also up there as well. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, I want to start talking about your uh, your involvement with. Uh, impact 
Teen Drivers. Yeah. Uh, what, what program is that? So Impact Teen Drivers is a nonprofit group, and back in, uh, I want to say around 2007, 2008, they, they were formed in cooperation uh, in conjunction with doing some things with the Highway Patrol in California. And then later on, 2008, 2009, they started to expand nationwide. Uh, Impact Teen Drivers is a nonprofit group. They put together evidence-based curriculum, so it's factual material. It's not just somebody coming in talking about, well, in my experience, we never unbuckled a dead person before. Uh, like when you think back to the seatbelt uh, stories and things that people would say. Um, but it's all evidence-based. And uh, what the numbers show throughout the country is for uh, teenage drivers, it is the number one killer of kids. It's higher than suicide. It's higher than uh, illness. It's higher than assaults. All those things. Is that basically by- because of distracted driving? It is, and um, we every year on average around four thousand, maybe slightly higher than that. Uh, kids are killed in preventable motor vehicle collisions. Then you start to think, well. You know, it's kids. It probably happened during the nighttime, and it was, there's was probably alcohol and drugs involved. And real, the reality is that 75% of those collisions did not involve alcohol or drugs. These are good kids who do the right thing most of the time, but when you're in a vehicle behind the wheel, uh, you got to do the right thing all the time because yeah. one mistake could be fatal. And we talk a little bit about the fatalities. Um, obviously, that's an attention getter because 4,000 kids a year, that's too many, especially when it's preventable. In Arizona? Uh, nationwide. Nationwide, okay. Yeah, and but uh, the other number that just sticks out is 400,000 kids are severely injured or impaired from those wow. vehicle collisions. And I can think back to when I was in high school. I, I can think of a collision that one of my friends was killed um, by a drunk driver, and that stuck in my mind, um, but I, I never really heard anything else about it um, other than drunk driving was bad. That was before sad and mad ramped up years ago, and uh, obviously it took 30 years of engagement, education, some enforcement to uh, help make an impact on, on those numbers. Um, and so basically we want to... At Impacting Drivers, uh, we basically want to engage kids. We want to figure out, hey, what's it do to have a conversation with you? Then we want to educate them as to here are some things that you can do that will help you not be one of these numbers. And then at the end of the day, we want to empower them to speak up where they can say, hey, you know what? If my friend's doing something wrong, I need to speak up and say, don't do that. Or I need to speak up and say, hey, I can't be doing this. And uh, so basically... uh, the philosophy of impacting drivers is engage kids and then educate them using evidence-based material and then uh, empower them to go out and uh, make the right decisions uh, and practice the best practices while they're out there. So, yeah. so um, uh, and that's, unfortunately, distracted driving isn't just the teens, <laughs> it's the adults right. too. Right. But um, uh, but more, more importantly, uh, where the teens are, are impacted. But um to empower uh, you you say that you spoke uh to a crowd of 6500 yeah that over time or i i've been in everything yeah. from classrooms from uh to assemblies and kids to class, uh, assemblies of 2500 people i've 
gotten to be part of panels with the National Lifesavers conferences and stuff like that. Um, but uh, in the last two years, I've been in front of 6,500 high school kids, either in an assembly or a classroom setting. Yeah. And uh, usually it starts something like this. I'll, I'll ask them a question. What do you consider to be lethal? And most kids will start rambling off whatever the response is, is guns, drugs, something like that. Uh, Cars. Right. And, <laughs> and so you're right. All those yeah. things all those things can kill you. I could sit a gun between you and me, and we could look at that gun, and that gun could kill you, but it's not going to kill you unless somebody touches it and puts some sort of input into that. Yeah. So, so the gun itself, although it could be dangerous, it's not – the one making the decision. Uh, it's the same way when you get yeah. into a car. If you're hopping into a car, um, what I'd love to see, and when we talk to kids of any age, the very first thing you do when you get into a car is do what? what? Turn it on. <laughs> and, then, and then if you got your kids or put grandkids, the seat belt on. put your yeah. seatbelt on. Yeah, yeah. And you, you can ask anyone from kindergarten, from kindergarten through college age, because that back in the 80s when that seatbelt campaign came up, Hey, get in the car, buckle up, hop in a car seat. I can't even imagine getting into a car now and not doing that. Right. It's just so second nature. So although I primarily talk to high school-age kids and those novice drivers, maybe either at the college level or kids about to become a novice driver, I think ideally being in front of a group of kindergartners <laughs> is the absolute best because yeah. think of this. My, kid, my kids were the ones who – uh, as a cop, I was the worst at being a distracted driver. One, just the fact that I was in a marked patrol car driving down the road, yeah. I was a distraction. <laughs> and even if I wasn't driving down the road, if I'm sitting in the median and people come, as they come up toward you, they're like, oh, there's a cop. I'm going to tap the brake. Okay, now I'm going to slow down. <laughs> so now I'm slowing down. Drop and I'm looking phone. over. I'm, okay, <laughs> now I pass them. I step on the gas a little bit. I get back. Even if I was going 55 and a 55, I still hit the brakes. I, I, don't, I don't get that other than guilty conscious. But so now as I'm going past the officer, now I'm looking in the rearview mirror. Is he still <laughs> Is he still back there? Yeah. And then what happens if I, as the officer, didn't pay any attention to that car that just went by, but I decide it's time for me to go get lunch? <laughs> and so I just happen to pull out back into the flow of traffic yeah. because I'm going to go get lunch. Now the person who's driving, and this is – Without me doing anything, they're, like, looking in the rearview mirror. Oh, he pulled out. Is he coming to get me? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and so that person, just my presence alone, has completely yeah. distracted that person from the cars around them. And that's that's without putting any siren input or yeah. light input. And then you talk about other distractions. We think of cell phones as being a distraction, but there's so many other things. Right. Um just reaching for the radio to adjust it. Yes. Uh, just uh, well, our cars have so many electronics, and and uh, they have working computers, you know, for navigation and so forth. So just uh, just a couple of seconds to to push a button on 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 that system or whatever that is can take you away from 
it, it can happen fast. Right? right. So we tell people that, look, distracted driving is not just your cell phone. It's not just a hamburger, the the Starbucks or whatever Dutch bros that Donuts. you're drinking. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, or the shaving or the reading paper or the putting on, on, on uh, makeup or whatever. Eating um, cereal. Uh, yeah. Typing a paper yeah. on your laptop. Yeah. All those things, believe it or not. You've seen all, all those that things, stuff, You've you? seen that. Um, but distracted driving is anything that takes your eyes off the road. Yeah. Anything that causes you to take your hands off the wheel or your mind off the road. So it can be just about anything there. It can be your passengers. It can be your music station. It can a be dog. Yeah. Cat. Your lap dog. <laughs> your lap dog driving for you. So, um, so it's just making kids aware of that. And it's funny uh, that we're talking about that. I uh, just a couple quick stats here. I have with me, and you can't see it unless you're watching the video. Just for our, so our audience knows, we're on radio, and you brought a whole bunch of show and tell stuff. Right. So <laughs> we'll see how descriptive I am. With me today, I have the will of death, and on that will of death, it has a list of passengers. And so, as a new novice driver, if you have no passengers and no distractions, you're already at a higher risk because you have no experience. Right. Yeah. So just going from daytime with no distractions to nighttime, you're 300% more likely to be involved in a collision. So we, we take and we give our kids a written test to go get a permit, and hopefully they'll spend the 30 hours that's required, 20 during the day and 10 at night with a parent or a guardian over 21, getting that practice time in. Um, then they go and take a they're driving practical tests when they turn 16 and they get their license. And as a parent, we're like, woohoo, <laughs> you are now your little brother's chauffeur. And so we no longer have to be your taxi. We no longer have to go to the store. You run our errands for us. And then we put their little brothers and sisters, our most precious cargo, with yeah. our most inexperienced driver. driver. <laughs> and you think about this. If I want to be a massage therapist or a beautician, I've got to put spend somewhere between 800 and 1500 hours of practice or if I want to be a barber uh, of practice before I can get my license but I can put my completely inexperienced <laughs> new driver with I don't know how many parents actually sit with their kids during the full 30 hours over the six month period of time to get your permit most of the kids I talk to say yeah it wasn't quite that much <laughs> um, but they sign off saying they've spent at least 30 hours with a parent so you get your 30 hours of parental input time and then turn them loose with a 3,500-pound bullet, basically. <laughs> and so and kids drive off. They turn up the music. They have to go through the Starbucks or whatever, get their, their sandwich. And every time you add a passenger to that car, too, the chances go up. Another one of my pet peeves is having earbuds in or earphones while you're driving. Right. And yeah. I think, can you even hear if a, if a car was coming up with a siren or honking at you or? I, I think of even, even uh, when I was still working three years ago, having a siren on and you're like, this guy, he, this guy's got to get his hearing checked. Right. <laughs> and, and then you drive by them and they, they have earbuds in. Uh -huh. So obviously that can, that's a distraction. Some states it's actually illegal to have earbuds in two ears while you're driving for that simple that simple reason. Um, but, you know. Hey, they're probably on a Zoom call. <laughs> it's probably their classroom time right now. But, you know, through, through, the, through COVID and stuff like that, technology's changing and stuff like that, too. And uh, I think of uh, bone mics that the SWAT guys used to use where it just works off bone conduction. And then uh, 
now that I have time in retirement to swim a little bit, I have uh, a headset that I can wear underwater that works off bone conduction. Really? And so my brother-in-law a couple weeks ago showed me a, a, a set of headphones, but basically they don't go over your ears. They just go above your ears. They work off bone conduction, so you can still wear them to work out and still hear the people next to you have a conversation without wow. without uh, any uh, – I just got our two-minute warning. <laughs> uh, time flies when you're having fun, right? It does. So, uh, no, let's continue this. You've got you have a flyer there that says number one killer on it, and yeah. you're referring to again to uh, to auto crashes. Yeah. And... So we we talk uh, impacting drivers and Arizona State Troopers. Uh, we have tons of resources at aztroopers.org/itd for impacting drivers or impactingdrivers.org. But one of the things we like to do is if we're going to educate somebody, we want to give them an a opportunity to make a commitment. And we want to make sure that they have the opportunity um, when we're done to make a pledge that they're not going to drive with distractions. They're going to do it so not only for themselves but for the families, for the other people on the roadway to be as safe as they can be and uh, put into the best practices uh, while they're behind the wheel, eliminating distractions, um, eliminating or minimizing passengers, um, even though something might be permissible to take in uh, to make a commitment to be safe. Kevin, in this last minute, I would like to have you, I, I always ask my guests, uh, you know, this, this thing called COVID-19 in our lives, uh, there's a lot of stories uh, coming about. There's a lot of thought in this. Uh, at the end of COVID, what do you think your story is going to be? I don't know, but I do know this, that uh, I have learned that through wearing a mask, it's not necessarily for me. It's about doing the best practices for someone else. So like at church, if if I... I may not want to like to wear a mask, but I'll do it so the churches can stay open. I think it's more of a pruning yeah. of uh, our habits. Distancing, and sanitizing, washing. What's necessary, yeah. what's not necessary. Kevin, this is great. I'm so glad you could be here today as a rescuer. The Rescuers Radio Show is on faithtalk1360.com. You can listen to the podcast of our shows at that site as well. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM.